afternoon, everybody. Dennis Fithian, podcast number eight. Ready to get things underway today. I'll play and comment in on what NFL guys Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks had to say about the Lions draft. But first, let's get to Thomas Gwines, who joins us here. Thomas, how are you? Dennis, what's going on, brother? Hey, you know, trying to stay safe, take it one day at a time. I mean, all these things that kind of sound uh, cliche, but they, they really do fit in these current times. You know what I mean? Hey, well, you know what? Common sense is not so common anymore. <laughs> so, um, obviously, we got to take the proper steps to uh, make sure that we're, we're now for, you know, tomorrow, so to speak. So, um, you know, patience is, is definitely going to be at a premium right now. And everybody doing what they need to do. And like I said, hopefully when we get past this, we're bigger, better, and stronger. Yeah, well, for Thomas, uh, for for people that don't know, Thomas, a former uh, Michigan football player, offensive lineman, but currently a Washington County deputy sheriff. So it's one of these things where you're, you're seeing this every day. You're, to say that you're on the front line is, uh, you know, it's an accurate statement. Yeah, I mean, you know, oftentimes, you know, we're, we're, we're always using these, you know, front line and all this other almost war-esque sort of terminologies. But, um, you know, again, we're just out here, law enforcement, health care, fire, EMTs, um, all of us, we're, we're doing what we've been trained to do. We, you know, we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do. And it is what it is. I mean, it's, you know, be it a pandemic, be it some sort of, you know, natural disaster, whatever the case may be, we're the constant. And, um, you know, we know what we signed up for, and we're just going to continue to try to get the best service quality, best service possible and continue to keep ourselves safe in order that we can keep, you know, the communities that we serve safe. Yeah, we're going to talk some football here. But, you know, about a month ago I, I saw a story you did. Angelique Shangelis from the Detroit News did an article, uh, did a story with you, and uh, I reread that today. And the one thing that jumped out at me, you said you've never had a day at work when nine one one didn't ring, and and that jumped out at me. It's like, you know, you think about law enforcement, you think about other people's jobs and and what's going on, but uh, to to think about every day going in where you know somebody's calling, where it, it, uh, the phone's always ringing, that that jumped out at me. Three sixty five twenty four seven, you know. Um... It's just the nature of the beast when you get into law enforcement, healthcare, the fire services, all of that. So, um, again, it's nothing new for us. We continue to go out here and, and try to give the best service possible and, and hopefully stay safe while we're doing it. Well, what's it like now? Like a month ago, I referred to that story from the Detroit News that you did with Angelique, and you said you were working uh, some more hours. and. Uh, uh, things have certainly not, uh, you know, changed for the better out there. Would, would you say it's, uh, I mean, what would you say about, you know, the situation when, when you're at work, how different is it? What's it like? The climate's just different. You know, I remember when everything first hit and the streets were eerily quiet, um, very little traffic. And there was definitely a sense of the unknown. There was that air there. Like, what do we do now? And now, um, especially as the weather is starting to break and, you know, we've been under these executive orders for, you know, weeks, months now, um, the stir craziness starts to pick up. One of the things in which I've noticed was 
is talking with some friends where people are talking about starting looking at the numbers well crime is down and it, it, I think it just depends on what sort of numbers you're looking at but in my opinion you may see the um, maybe property crimes are down or uh, drug related stuff or things of that nature but the one thing that I am seeing that I feel like it's picked up is definitely your domestic assaults or family troubles and or um, calls for suicide and not actual suicide but people feeling suicidal and, and needing to go to the hospital it's almost like you have that seasonal seasonal depression during Christmas or the holidays those sorts of numbers to me seem like they're on a spike so it just depends on, you know, pick your poison. You know, you want to go with the day-to-day that, that we're all used to that has now become quote-unquote routine or you flip the script and we're doing what we're doing with now. Like I said before, 911 still ringing. Uh, it's crazy, you know, I'm just listening to you talk about it. I, not that everything's crazy, but just uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, you were talking about numbers and, you know, I can look on social media and you've got somebody, well, here's a poll, you know, this is what they're saying about this state compared to this state, you know, and they practice social distancing and they had the rules and these guys are opening up and this is what's going on at the Capitol. It's like, man, you can get, uh, you can go down a a different rabbit hole here pretty quick when you start looking at different things, depending on, you know, just how you're feeling, what your own situation is. And uh, that part, like, it's just crazy that every single person has so many different things, you know, their own thing going on, but everybody, you know, shares that, I guess, I guess that's the crazy part. It's the minutia of it all. I think that's where everyone kind of just gets logged down and or caught up. You know, you have to look at how is this affecting you personally? How is this affecting you mentally, physically, and spiritually? And then what sort of effects are you now having on other people around you? You know, um, looking at the guys and girls that I work with, some people are staying in their campers. Some people, you know, our agency has kind of stepped up and has made, uh, uh, have taken steps for deputies to stay at hotels, you know, and in, in, uh, in the vein of trying to help them self-quarantine because that's always a fear, you know. We're, we're still going out there having to do what we have to go do, but then lo and behold, you bring something home. So, um I think with all of this being said, you have to just, you have to study your shit instead of trying to study everyone else's shit. Because if you're not good, how can you take care of anybody else? And at the end of the day, we all have different factors that play on in our individual lives. We all have our own individual fears and goals. And, you know, manage your fears, strive for your goals. And if we can take care of ourselves individually, I think we'll be a lot better um, corporately, if you will, as, as far as as cliche as it sounds, as far as bringing the whole team together. If I got good individuals that do their job in the, in the sense of Bill Belichick, just do your job. If you just do your job and another person does their job, then as a team, we should be good. If we can take on that particular mindset as a society and as a community, I think we'll be all right. You know, Thomas, I'd be interested to hear from you on when you see all the difference, whether it's newscasts or social media or whatever else. You know, there's there's so many different stories about what's going on, whether it's right here in, in Michigan or it's across the country of um, uh, stories about police where 
oh, they're 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 pulling up to a park and you know they're they're uh, attempting to uh, say saying they're going to arrest you, you know, if you're you're out after a certain time or you know they're they're on a loudspeaker telling people to to socially distance or you know telling people they can't go out on their boats. And I know every every state has uh, the different rules, uh, but have you seen some of that where you're like, no, that that's that's actually these these are uh, these are false things. That's actually not really what's going on. When you when you see some of that, I mean, you, you probably see a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of it just depends on you know what house you're working on and, and the house. I, I mean, you know your, your agency, um, the community in which you're serving. You know, I can speak on for us at, at Washington County. You know, we we try to give chances. We're, we're not trying to be very heavy-handed when it comes to that. Because the other thing, and what people fail to realize, is this that when you're not paying attention to that executive order, all you're further doing is putting other people in harm's way. And by, by other people, I mean us. Because now I have to come out here and have a lot more direct contact or interaction with you than I would have if you just follow, follow the orders. And so from that particular aspect of things, um, I think if people, if, if the populace could just understand that your actions aren't directly disaffecting you. That the actions in which people are taking by not wanting the social distance is going to have a level of, of direct impact on the first responders. And let's just happen to say, let's say worst case scenario. My, my biggest issue with all of this is, is the further strain and stress that you put on the healthcare system. If you get sick and you did everything right, I'm all for you. Let's, let's take care of you. Let's get you patched up. Let's get you all the health and services that you need. But if you're out there being an idiot and, you know, I want to go do what I want to go do because I want to go do it now, and you get sick, and I don't have a lot of sympathy for you at that, at that time because now you're further taking away those resources and those efforts and possibly putting those other first responders' lives in, in harm's way because of basically your hard-headedness and the the fact that you felt like you were above the team, so to speak. And so these are the things I think that people really need to concentrate on. Some areas, yeah, I mean, you know, imagine being down in Florida right now, but you have to think of things full circle. When you have a state like Florida, what's basically Florida's biggest tax for? It's going to be tourism. It's going to be the beaches. It's going to be the things where people come in droves to enjoy that state for and what that state is known for, the theme parks beach, the ocean, all of that. So now we have the economic aspect of it all. And, you know, a lot of times all you really have to do is, is follow the money to try to find a solution and or the problem. Well, it'll be interesting when they have uh, this, this first phase where things are going to be opening back up if people are going to re- respect and, and pay attention to the, the some of the, the new rules or I guess guidelines or if it's going to be, you know, kind of going back to where it feels like, Hey, it's back to normal. So it's one of those things to watch. I just know myself just walking in, in the park, it seems like maybe a quarter of the people are making an attempt to distance and uh, the others. It's like, you'd, you'd like to know actually what they're thinking. Like they're, Hey, I'm healthy or I'm young or this doesn't affect me or I'm riding a bike or, Hey, I'm jogging. So it doesn't really matter. or I'm just passing you. So I'm good. You know, you, you wonder what, you know, other people are thinking and, and what's on their minds. That's at least what, you know, 
I'm thinking that. Well, you know, you got to look at it too. That as what's crazy for me is just the the change in in our level of, of normality as far as social interaction. You know, coming up and shaking people's hands, is, or when you having some sort of interaction with someone, and you know, you stop short. Um, I know for us in law enforcement, you know, we can be out on the scene or whatever. And a lot of times for us, just because of pain on the, the nature of the scene, we may be in tight confines because we're exchanging uh, important and or confidential information depending on what we're policing. And, you know, it was funny that a lot of us had to catch each other or, you know, you would be advancing and other guys would be backing up things of that nature, but, oh, yeah, social distancing. Um, I think these are some of the biggest changes that people are going to have to get over. Um, it's just understanding what, what our new level of normalcy is at this particular juncture and, and, and come to grips with that. You know, if everybody's in the same house. You know, you got mom, dad, and the kids, and they go out for a bike ride or walk, whatever. I'm fine with that. Why? Everybody's under the same roof. But uh, once you start having that, you know, that mixing, um, you know, let's let's have the fourth of July barbecue and yeah, I got three, four different families over at the residence, man, I don't know if fourth of July is gonna have to be enough time for us to really figure out wholeheartedly if we have a handle on this or not. So some of the things that we're used to, you know, I'm I'm driving around um different residences for kids that are having birthdays. Hey, can you, you know, just drive by and turn your lights and siren on and say, birthday to my kid. Because my kid can have a birthday party. You know, um, imagine the high school seniors that are, that are going to be able to really experience graduation. Um, you know, a lot of the things that we basically take for granted because we always figure it's going to be there is no more at this point. So that's, that's going to be the interesting thing to really see long term. How does this affect us as a people within our interaction with each other? Well, that's right. And there's nothing that's been more involved in a lot of our lives than, than athletics. And just to think about sort of the big house, 107,000, you know, people. And, you know, you're just thinking about, um, you know, baseball right now and the end of the basketball season and hockey. But then you, you start thinking about football in the fall. And even though they had the draft, I mean, yeah, they were able to do that, but you just start thinking about, and you know, you and I have, uh, have done some work together during the college football season over the past couple of years. And, and you just think about those situations. It's such a, uh, a social gathering where everybody's, you know, shaking hands and uh, uh, it, it, it's going to be, it'll be back one day, whether or not it's going to be back this year. Uh, that is, uh, that is anybody's guess right now. Well, you know, just being inside the big house and imagine how do you get, how do you fit a hundred, seven hundred, eleven thousand people inside a structure? How do you do that? Well, you make the, the seating areas tight as possible. You, you pack them in like sardines, right? Yes. And, and you know, people are, are, are paying, you know, premium dollars to be part of the, the mission experience, be part of college football. So, uh, yet again, from that comes the tight confines, comes those those close, physical, almost, you dare say, intimate interactions, if you will, because of 
of the, 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 the limited space, if you will, that each person has, has bought themselves. And that's going to be really interesting to see if and when we come back to, you know, any level of normalcy as far as what we're used to. I couldn't imagine being a player, you know, one of the reasons why you come to Michigan. Then we got the biggest stadium in college football. And I'm playing in front of, you know, 100 plus thousand largest uh, uh, in capacity any given Saturday. These are one of the reasons why I came to Michigan to, to be a Wolverine. And then all of a sudden, that's no more. You know, not to say that's the end all of, of the, the Michigan Wolverine experience as a player, but you got to think, dude, you know, when you're running out and jumping up and touching the banner and the stadium's quiet. It's crazy. I just, I, I'm interested um, from a curious standpoint and I'm also a little bit fearful just to figure out how, how does this all play out. Imagine being Ward Manuel right now, trying to navigate this new landscape of college athletics. What drives college athletics? Spectators. You know, TV and all that stuff is great, but it's the it's the atmosphere, it's the environment of playing in these different arenas, these different stadiums in front of your home team, or you know, going to. Um, your your rival's house and and, and going and, and having the expectations of going in and taking that over and there's nobody there. Yeah, I, I, I you know I was reading a story this week about Ward Manuel. It was a, a writer from the Athletic, and he was talking about that um, not just Ward, but he was you know talking about athletic directors specifically about how somebody like Ward Manuel will have uh, a dozen to. Uh, two dozen models on contingency plans in front of them on how this thing could go. You know, you're thinking, oh, well, hey, you know, if this happens, and then, but man, it's starting to get into the, the double digits and, and then, uh, you know, two dozen different scenarios of things, how they could possibly go. Like, and you have, I, I'm sure you've heard about it, like eh, maybe football starting up in December and maybe, it, you know, wouldn't be at the big house. Maybe it would be down at Ford Field and Michigan and Michigan State would both be playing down there. Like, oh, you just start I, – I, I hear it all and I listen to it. It's it's funny now that I'm actually talking about it because most of the times when I hear other people talking about it, I'm like, wow, man, we are just talking about every scenario, you know, that, that that's possible in who knows which one of these are, if any of them are going to be plausible. Well, and, and not only that, you know um... – I, I'm just curious as far as who, who the advisors are. Um, what are you looking at from facility management standpoint? What are you looking at from a security standpoint? What are you looking at reference of, you know, top-level healthcare officials and, you know, their advisement as far as large congregations of people to enjoy some sort of sporting event or anything entertainment-related? Um, you know, imagine being a casino owner right now out in Vegas. So uh, imagine, you know, being the CEO of, of Disney right now. It's crazy when you really start to think about the level or types of entertainment that we have and as much as the digital age has taken over so many things, I think we still fall short of truly understanding the amount of actual socialization that takes place amongst us as, as human beings. You know, the simple joys of just going to your, your favorite neighborhood bar and, you know, the, the, the stress relief that you get, 
uh, to go watch your favorite team or player, just to go hang out, just to have a retreat from, you know, reality, so to speak, and just hang out with, with some familiar faces. You don't have that. We, we don't have that right now. And, you know, or you can do it online and we're, we're doing Zoom this or virtual that. And I don't think for us, you know, you and I are probably relatively close in age. So anybody that's in our age demographic and or older, that's not really how we came up. That's not how we're used to socializing. And so from that, that's going to be a huge switch for us. You know, you look at kids that are younger and who are actually imagine growing up in this from the standpoint of I'm still a child, but this is a new reality for me. When they become our age, maybe that is the norm is virtual whatever. But for us, that is in this particular age demographic, this is pure craziness right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, there was just a maybe a, a second of normalcy when the, the NFL draft came around. I want to just ask you, I know it's way different than talking about real life and everything else, but when uh, when the draft happened, one of the big stories around here about the draft, and, you know, we had talked last year about, hey, what do you think of Michigan and what about their chances? And I remember for the first time in a long time that, you know, I was hearing people like you that, hey, the offensive line, this is – this is actually a, a good sign here for U of M. And then, uh, lo and behold, in the draft, uh, every one of those guys uh, gets drafted. That 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 came not as a, a big surprise, but it stood out like, hey, Michigan's whole offensive line got drafted. What what did you think when you saw that? You know what? I think it's kind of a misnomer in a huge sense. I think that, first of all, that the NFL that I played in, that I was a part of, is, you know, that's no more. It's a new day and age. Not better, not worse. It's just new. I'm always going to go back to, you know, the, the product down the left on the field. And did our guys get better as the season progressed? Yeah. But, you know, a lot of times, I just felt like as a unit, our offensive line didn't do as well as they could have. I'm not saying that the guys that got drafted aren't talented individuals. And obviously, anybody that wore the wing helmet, I wish them well in all their future endeavors inside of football and out. But when we want to just talk brass tacks about offensive line play overall, I'm, I, over this past season, I still probably being generous, you know, a solid seat. And that's just being generous. You know, I, I don't, I, didn't see us really changing the line of scrimmage often. We did have a, a pounding, impressive pass, pass game. Um, we were still getting beat more times than not on simple twist plays. There was an improvement from last year or the, or the year prior, but, you know, that was still kind of a, a hiccup for us to get by. So um, I still have high expectations for our offensive line. And I just don't think that as a unit, those guys showed me, you know, a true Michigan offensive line. But as individual talents, obviously somebody was willing to pay them like out of hundreds of thousands and in the case of, of uh Steve millions to uh, come be part of their be part of their team and, and again I salute those guys and I wish them the best of luck in all their future endeavors. So it's gonna be interesting to see 
yet again, and this is another important viewpoint, is does this now put us further back behind the eight ball? We have four guys go. So now we have four unproven guys that have to come in and step up. So now I got four unproven guys that that have to come in and step up. Yet we don't get the the the, the same level of uh, opportunity to prepare for the upcoming season, both physically as far as uh, being in, in the weight room and, and doing all the things that go along with that, and just being in the building and being around each other. You know, I always tell people that play an offensive line that the team within the team. As, as your offensive line goes, your team goes. Everyone talks about, you know, you got to have a great quarterback or, 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 you know, defense wins championships, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but all of that being said, offensive line is the only group that changes a game as a unit. They don't change the game as individuals. And the people, the individuals that change games are only able to change the game based off of that group does their job. Former Michigan offensive lineman Thomas Gwine said, you know what, I, I don't have any pushback for you because I, I think you're right. You know, the one the one position group or the one group like uh, every other player, you know, quarterback, you don't rotate them very much. And we know that's the most important, you know, single position. But, you know, you don't rotate offensive linemen very often either. And most of the other positions. You, you, you see every snap of the game. Yeah. If you're out there, you're out there for, you know, this, I, I can remember being on 12, 15 play drives that started out at your own two yard line. And, you know, your, your running backs are being switched out. Different formation packages, so the receivers and the tight ends and everything else. The constant, the fat kids up front, and the quarterback. Now, from the quarterback position, as long as we do our job, your job's pretty easy. You take this snap, either you hand it off. Or you, you know, you take your three, five, seven step drop and you throw it. But every time there's a fight up front for those 12, 15, however many plays that that drive happens to go on, there is a fight every snap of the ball. And those five guys up front are smack dab in the middle of that fight. But I don't say that to complain. There's no place I'd rather be. I enjoy it. I, it, it was, there's a, there's a synergy that takes place with you have those five guys that are all firing on the, you know, firing off the ball at the same time. Everybody's on the same page. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it's your battle buddy, so to speak. I, I don't want to mess up because I don't want to be the weak link in that chain. I don't want to be that guy that causes us to, to falter. And I'm going to do everything within my power to work with it to of, of this particular play, the offense, and with the techniques that have been coached, and for all five of us to do what we need to do. That's either open up holes or, or make sure we give the quarterback enough time to hope that he can deliver a strike. Well, we've, we've gone over the offensive line and, and quarterback. We know four-fifths of the offensive line is going to have to be replaced, and Shea Patterson's gone, and now it's going to be Dylan McCaffrey or, or Joe Milton. People you know, pointing fingers at, at Jim Harbaugh. You understand that when he has the record that he has against Ohio State. And I do think that's the biggest thing. You know, you got to beat Ohio State. But, you know, the other things, uh, the, you know, people say, well, what else? What's What else is – well, you got to figure out 
uh, going on the road and and playing four quarters. Like, you know, that game against Penn State, you know, the first half they were getting buried in that game, and they, they did a good job coming back and, and getting right down to the end. But it was similar to Wisconsin. That game was over at the half, and it felt like the Penn State game was over at the half. So, you know, I know, I know Jim Harbaugh is looking for some of my advice in between, you know, getting that O-line and, and, and the quarterback play, figuring out how to go on the road and, and play four quarters uh, and, then, and then beat Ohio in. State, too. You know, those are the things, right? Right. I mean, you have to come in. But these are the things that are built in the offseason. These are the things that the crucible of the summer workout, spring ball and all of that, that's when all of that is built. When we played Ohio State this past year, and I'm, you know, that's one of the things in which I look at is just the body language. We used to have a thing in the weight room now called uh, false enthusiasm and false anger, and I kind of felt like there was a level of false enthusiasm. You know, we're rah rah rah, and everybody, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do. But when you leave out that locker room, do you feel in your marrow that this game is won? And, the, and, and it's not just Ohio State. It's any time that you take the field to play home and or away. When I just remember back when we played, especially at home, um, it, you know, it, it's a done deal. We're going to go out here and sweat a little bit and do our thing and, you know, have some fun. But, you know, at the end of it all, it's going to be a little victory, and where's the next party at? You know, um, going down to the shoe, and I get tired of beating a dead horse, but it's it's one of the last positive memories that I can say as a Wolverine as far as facing Ohio State is the fact that we knew, and even though we had faltered and lost, you know, three close games that year that we shouldn't have lost, and it was basically just a um, you know, lapse in concentration here and there in those games which we lost. But when we got down to Ohio State, I don't care if we beat them by 100 or we beat them by one point. We knew we were going to win the game. We knew we were going to take the stadium over. We knew we were going to take the state over. I don't know if – I definitely feel like last year's team didn't feel that way in, in the, the two prior games. I'm like, you know, you guys gave up 100 – 12 points or something to that effect over two games to Ohio State. What? Who does that? And again, these are the things that I question as far as, you know, a lot of people talk about the O-line or quarterback and blah, blah, blah. Damn that, I want to start talking about who are we? What's our identity? When you play Michigan, when you play the Michigan Wolverines, what should you expect? And again, I can only go off of when I was there. What you can expect out of us is going to punch you in the mouth, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to set you up because we had great running backs, we had a good offensive line, and so we set you up, we're just going to start pinning you deep because we had great receivers that could stretch the field. And our defense, we're going to pin your ears back and come over here and lay the hat. We're going to make big hits, we're going to make sure tackles, and we're going to just beat you up. I can't say that with these last you know, iterations of Michigan football under under the, you know, hardball leadership. And this is not me, you know, pouring salt on the wound. It's just calling a spade a spade. It's just my honest assessment. 
I, I can't tell you who we are. I don't know who's going to show up. Well, it'd be nice to see him uh, get an identity and get that feeling back that you talked about. Hey, Thomas, before I let you go, you know, you mentioned the weight room. And I've seen over the years, you know, at, at times you'll you'll throw up a picture of uh, of a weight room and you're in it. And you, I see a bunch of plates on the bar and everything. But I also know that the gyms are closed right now. And how do you deal with that? Like, I just know myself, like, I, I miss going to the gym. There, there's definitely a rush. And, you know, I've. I've done some push-ups out in the Everyone. yard, and but man, it, it's it's tough. Right. It's, it's tough. It's it's. I don't have a rack or, uh, you know, very many weights here. I got two thirty-pound dumbbells. Talking about the, about the you know the home gyms and, and getting out with nature and blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, do this or do that, which is fine, and I completely agree with it. But it just depends on the type of athlete that you are, or the type of quote-unquote gym rat that you are. I've always been into dungeon-esque sort of workouts and gyms. I like hot, sweaty gyms where, you know, there's rust on the plates that you got Black Sabbath and, and Metallica and, and that sort of stuff, you know, just blaring. And, yeah, I'm a meathead, and I enjoy it because it's a challenge of lifting a heavy weight, but it's also a great stress reducer, and it's also a great... Um, place to socialize within a different microcosm, if you will, of, of society and or humanity, where you have people that are different races, colors, creeds, beliefs, whatever. But we all we all you know play at the at the Iron Church, if you will. Yeah. And that, with that being said, there's something to be said about leading out from your everyday reality and being able to go to the iron paradise and, and, and pray as you see fit. And, you know, when you look in the mirror and see whatever gains that you're getting or you're not getting, because the one thing that I've always believed in life, everybody lies to you. Your mom lied to you at some point in time in life. The one thing that has never lied is the iron. The iron, either you either pick it up and put it down and you don't. Iron has never lied to me. <laughs> and as long as I have given the iron its due respect, it has always paid me in games. Well, you know what, Thomas? Um, you got me pumped up. Uh, I'm looking forward to a lot of different things when we get a chance to, to get back out there. But one of those things, uh, the iron paradise, that's one of them. Hey, it's it's always great to talk with you. Hopefully, when we talk again and it's warmer, we're, we're talking about rosier things, and uh, we, we can't predict that right now, but it, it's, it's great to hear uh, a familiar uh, voice, and you keep uh, you know, protecting everybody. You're doing a great job out there. It's, uh, you know, it's a challenge for sure every day for you, so, so all the best. And when people you know, say, you know, say, stay safe, uh, we mean it for you, man. Uh, you know, good luck to you and all the best. Roger that, sir. Again, um, always a blast just to come over here and, and, and chop it up about football, life, and current situations of the world. And uh, definitely wish you all success in your future endeavors as well. All right, Thomas. We'll talk with you soon. Take care. All right. Take care, brother. Bye-bye. All right. There he is, Thomas Gwines, uh, joining us here. And, yeah, man, the, the, uh, the Iron Paradise. I'm looking forward to that myself, getting back there. 
not quite the mover and shaker when it comes down to the weight room, but you know what? It's that it's that uh, it's that pump that you get. I know this all the times. I'll be three, four times on average over 10, 20 years going to the gym. That, that's real. That's real stuff. And uh, I do know that 99% of it is is diet. But, man, still the, the weights for what it does mentally, well, physically for sure. But, uh, man, I do miss that. I'm looking forward to it. All right. I, I mentioned at the beginning I'll talk a little bit about the Lions. I have been like uh, like you – you know, missing sports, and I watched the last dance with with Jordan, and yeah, you know, getting ticked off about how they represented the bad boys and all those things. But you know, Lions post draft, I've been listening to a lot of uh, of NFL types, so it's got me thinking. I've been reading, I've been listening to what they they think about the Lions, and um, I I pulled a little bit of audio here. This is uh, from the podcast Move the Sticks. Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, they were talking about what teams closed the gaps in their divisions. When it got to the NFC North, you know, they went through the Packers and the Vikings up there at top and what the Bears are doing there, and they did talk about the Lions, and uh, here's a a little bit of Jeremiah and Brooks talking about the Lions post-draft. I thought Detroit, you know, overall, uh, you know, I think they're kind of just want to play a, a physical brand of football, and you could see that with the moves that they made, um, who they brought in there. Again, it, I mean, just brought in every everybody who's been around the Patriots. They brought in anybody yep. who was a Patriot, anybody who practice squad, been around it, had a workout. If you were a former Patriot, they brought you in. Uh, I will say they're trying to play. Uh, they're trying to bring in players to play to the strengths of the style of play that they want. Uh, man-to-man corners, Desmond Trufant. They bring in Jeff Akuda. I don't know if Akuda or Trufant are upgrades over Darius Slate. I would say no. But, look, they, they, they're committed to doing it. They're trying to culturally um, – recreate what existed in new england we'll see if they have enough time because they're on a mandate they have to get to the playoffs and so matt patricia has to pull it together quickly yeah well I'll stop brooks right there you know it's the one thing and, and i think lion fans get tired because it's it's talked about all the time the patriot way but it is something nationally it's interesting to hear what national people have to say about the lions and and if you're going to talk about the lions you're going to talk about matt patricia and bob quinn patriot guys and the guys they're bringing in that is something that that is uh, top of mind, but what Brooks uh, had to say right there about there's a playoff mandate, that's all that is up for interpretation. And it's one of those things uh, I, I do not think, and it's just the one part for Bucky Brooks there when he said, you know, they're in a win now where, you know, they make the playoffs. That's not what Martha Ford said in that letter. She said playoff contention. Could I see, could you listening right now see a scenario? where the Packers get to 10 wins and the Lions get to nine and they're second in the NFC North, you might be thinking, oh, that's crazy. That sounds like you're hyping up the Lions, just giving you a scenario. But if they're one game out of the playoffs and it's coming down where they're in week 17 and they're, that, that would be, to me, playoff contention. Heck, I could make a, you know, a, a scenario of eight and eight, maybe even seven and nine heading into the last two weeks you know, they play the Bears, they play the Vikings, and if they win both of those games and, and uh, you know, they've got to – that they're, you know, control their own destiny of getting a wild card or something. So, you know, that part when I hear people – it's interesting because a lot of people talk just like Brooks that if the Lions, you know, they have to get into the playoffs, 
I know that was a long answer, but uh, it's just that that playoff contention thing always uh, makes me stop and say, yeah, that's not exactly what Martha Ford, at least what I was thinking in, um, you know, that that letter to the season ticket holders. But here's a little bit more of of Brooks and Jeremiah talking about what they thought of the Lions post-draft. I do like the DeAndre Swift pick. DeAndre Swift gives them the most talented running back that they've had in well over a decade. Uh, I would think that he would tally a bunch of yards. But, man, it's, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to gain ground on their rivals. Well, I think, you know, last year, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that you had Josh Jacobs on offense and then you had um, uh, Max Crosby on defense. I think both of them finished in the top two or three in the rookie of the year voting for the same team obviously with the Raiders I think this year I think Okuda is a is a legit defensive rookie of the year candidate and I think Swift is a, re- a legitimate offensive rookie of the year candidate those two guys can be stars no I, I think they absolutely can be stars and they're gonna need them to be stars right away that's a lot of pressure to put on a first-year player coming out but they have to have it like where they are right now the regime and everything like they got to get it going and so um with this COVID-19 situation where you can't necessarily get around them, um, they have to find a way to accelerate their growth and, and speed up that learning curve so those guys can make contributions this season. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I agree with some of that right there. And I do think, you know, when you have Okuda and pick number three overall and you think about the possibility of him being a defensive player of the year, the guy, if we were talking about it right now, that was drafted right in front of him, his uh, – his teammate Chase Young, yeah. Uh, I don't have the odds in front of me, but it's pretty easy to, to come up with the odds. Those guys are going to be right up at the top of the board talking about uh, defensive rookies of the year. And DeAndre Swift, you know, the the one thing, you know, Brooks saying that he needs to come in, like there's pressure on him. I, I, I don't see there's pressure for anybody that's picked early, but the running back by committee approach with, with having a Swift and on Johnson, is it going to be – a Bo Scarborough short yarded situation. Uh, it, it could be. I could see that. I could see all three of those guys, but I don't see the pressure right away on Swift to have to go out there and and produce or get 20 carries. I think the I don't have a magic number in there, but when when you're thinking about playing the hot hand between those two, and and and, and you know then going with one of those guys, and it could be different. Uh, you know, even throughout a game, it's it's a nice tandem to have. I mean, they've got two backs here that, um, you know, if Carrion didn't get hurt, and that's the big thing with him, and that's one of the reasons that they drafted him, talking about DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. If you have a healthy Carrion Johnson, you have a healthy DeAndre Swift, and you're going with the hot hand and who's producing there. Do I think one of those guys could be uh, top 10 backs uh, in the NFL? I do, but I think I think that, Kerryon Johnson's got just as much of a chance as uh, as DeAndre Swift. It's a good situation, and it better be for the Lions who have a have an offensive coordinator in Daryl Bevel, who is known for running the football. They have talked about the need to run the football. They saw San Francisco running the football. They saw what Green Bay did, and their you know copycat league and all that. Yeah, the Lions want to run the football, and they got uh, uh, their new right tackle, more of a run blocker than pass blocker. So, yeah, there's no secret. going to be a lot, uh, and you can get the ball out and throw it to them out of the backfield, and both of those guys can catch. And Swift, I mean, that is his forte. So, 
Yeah, a little bit. I'll I'll be bringing you more of NFL types and what they had to say post-draft and as it pertains to the Detroit Lions and the rest of the NFC North. All right, thanks for listening. Podcast number eight. We get into May. Enjoy that uh, warm weather, although as soon as we get the warm weather, you know, here comes a little bit of cool weather. I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. Uh, This is Dennis Fithian here. Good afternoon. Good afternoon.